Hey guys, welcome to the Bowhunting Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so it's been a minute. It's been like, uh, I don't know, three weeks, three and a half weeks uh, since I put something out. Actually, almost a month. It's been a while since I recorded. So um, it's just been really hectic. Uh, I think I warned you guys uh, before hunting season that it's going to get kind of tough to do these with um, home schedule, work schedule, and hunting schedule, and everyone else's hunting schedule. So, um, yeah, it's just I'm just going to try and put these out whenever I can. I've been trying to stick to every every two weeks, but um, I think for the second time since I started this thing, uh, it's been uh, I haven't hit that deadline. You know, I, I kind of try to stick to that, but I just didn't want to just put out just random rambling. Um, anyway, so um, what's been going on? So I'm still deerless, of course. But uh, I've had some really, really cool encounters. So without getting like super, super deep into these, um, I had some, I had a couple really cool, well, one very, very cool encounter. Uh, this was still with my bow. I am shooting out of that uh, Novix uh, Hilo stand still. I'm still getting used to shooting out of a stand. Um, I will do kind of like a follow-up review on that a little more in depth a little bit later. Um, just for now, though, I'm finding it, you know, it, it's not it's not perfect. Just like the saddle wasn't perfect. I, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's no there's no overall perfect one. I think I like I like the stand, but I'm still not that comfortable kind of being away from the tree near the edge of it. Now this thing's a very small stand, and I do have problems with like the cables, for example, rubbing on my boots. Uh, if I'm wearing anything that actually has boot um, like like lace up boots and like the I, I don't know I don't know what you call them, but like the actual the, the metal. Um, clasps or whatever you know the hooks that the um your shoelaces your bootlaces kind of go through they tend to get hooked a little bit even if i have pant legs over them i don't have that problem with rubber boots tall rubber boots that you just kind of slip on but just kind of little things um so yeah so I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to play around with that i actually modded the seat i cut the seat down a little bit because uh i was having some lower limb interference and um yeah anyway st- stuff to come for that so one time, I, I, I had actually gone in and scouted this one place, and I planned on going in there the week after that. Now, to back up a little bit, my problem this season has been that I've basically been able to sit a total of maybe four days total where I'm actually in prime time. I've been out a bunch, but I've been out like onesie, twosie, maybe three hours a day or something like that, midday, mid, you know, middle of the week, midday kind of thing. But I'm not able to be out there at, you know, pre-dawn, dawn, and I'm not able to sit there at prime time, closing time. I'm just not. I'm having to, uh, you know, leave early, uh, pick up my kid from school or drop off my kid from school, that kind of thing. It's just not working out, like, time-wise for me to actually be where I need to be at prime time. And I've stumbled across some very cool places in the meantime where I know if I sat there, I just, I just know it. I just know that something would have happened. Uh, so I found this incredible pl- a spot, super fresh sign. I mean, like rubs that day, you know, shavings on the ground kind of thing. And I just wasn't able to sit. I wasn't able to sit more than a couple hours on the ground. Uh, what I should have done is I should have had my stand on my back or my, my saddle or whatever and actually hung in a tree. And I would have been hanging in like the perfect tree. But I spent too much time on the ground, sent it up the ground a little bit, um, and I thought, okay, well, I'll come back there a week later. Well, on the way out of there, um, I found another cool spot. And I thought that could be, you know, I definitely found a rub line, a uh, fresh sign, and what I thought were were beds. And I thought, okay, cool, this would be like my number one spot. And it's actually closer to the parking lot. It's only like a quarter mile from the parking lot. 
And I thought, yeah, great, whatever. So a week later, I decided to, you know, stand on my back. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go and hang a stand and sit as long as I can. Well, on the way to my primary spot, um, I'm passing my secondary spot, and I spot fresh tracks uh, that were made like that morning, basically. And those fresh tracks are, you know, I I followed them in a little bit. They are leading exactly to where I had uh, marked, uh, you know, quote-unquote potential betting on Onyx. And um, everything made sense. I could see which way um, this 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 deer was going. I could see which way it was going to go into its bed. It was you know following you know like into the wind. It wasn't doing a J hook, but it was doing like one big long kind of curving uh, hook into the in, into its bed. And I, I was literally tracking this deer. And I got I'm like man, if I go in any further, I was within after after um, you know doing the line distance on on X from the tree I was in to the bed that this thing was in was like 50 yards. So. I mean, fresh, fresh. I was so excited. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in. And I went in like full on sneak mode. Usually I'm in, I'm like a bull in a china shop trying to get through the woods. But, you know, this time I was actually just, you know, I got in, I set up, I, I picked what I thought was a perfect tree. My only, my only fault I think was not choosing a better, uh, setting up on a better exit route. And this was about 11 something ish. So I got in, I sat there, sat there for a couple hours, and then I was actually facing toward the bedding area. And lo and behold, I see it actually stand up out of its bed. And oh my God, my knees start start shaking. And I mean, this was a very nice buck. And you guys know, I don't really give a crap about antlers, but just like this big bodied, um, I would call a mature buck. You know, it's at least a three and a half year old. It had, you know, decent mass. It had decent um, tines. I have no idea what it would score. I mean, zero clue. I, I, I don't know any about any of that stuff. All I know is it had a lot of antler. You know, um, it was at least an eight point. Uh, could have been a 10. And um, it stood up and had my grunt tube with me. And um, it basically, you know, I, I diverted his attention and it kind of did this big, long not big long but kind of the circuitous route kind of back down toward me so let's just say he was north of me so he went east a little bit he went south a little bit and he was going to hook back in kind of northwesty and 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 kind of come in that way just because the winds uh were you know uh, were were going to be in the favor and um you know the whole time this thing whole encounter lasted about five minutes and he sat there at about 30 yards as close as he he got as close as about 30 yards and again, I know everyone's sick of hearing about it like that, but again, if you had a compound, dead deer. Um, I know I could have snuck in an arrow there. He had no idea in the world that I was there, and I had all the time in the world to take a really nice shot. Now, 30 yards for me with a stick bow might as well be, you know, 300 yards or three miles. It, it, it's not it's not happening. But he didn't come any closer. Uh, he basically circled back around to where his uh, his entry trail and my entry trail because I followed his footsteps basically uh, then he got the ground scent and he kind of had no more of that and he just kind of turned tail and um, he didn't he didn't take off he didn't blow he just he just said you know what I, enough of this I don't see what I want to see um, I am off to find some does and then he 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 went back across uh, in the other direction and uh, out of my life so I think he's still around still around because I went in after that again um, and I did see his tracks kind of going in and out but I don't know he may still be there he may not I'm not sure but um, you know I I call that a win Uh, a win without actually executing the final shot because um, 
like I said earlier this year, I was not going to just sit in any old tree just for shits and giggles. I was not going to stop until I saw the freshest sign. And if that meant I didn't see any fresh sign all day and I just walked around all day, so be it. But I wasn't going to spend another season in a spot where I thought deer could kind of sort of be. Um, or, hey, it'd be nice if a deer walked by here. Well, I, I'm not going to do that. So uh, everything between these two spots that I found were just pointing to the fact that um, I, you know, I am able to get very, very close to bedding. I am able to determine, you know, fresh sign from old sign. Um, everything from, the, you know, the, the, the freshness of the tracks and the sharpness of the tracks into the sand or the mud or whatever. Um to, uh, you know, kicked up leaf litter uh, to where they were walking, to, you know, finding actual hairs uh, on, on, you know, like, like low fences or whatever that they're crossing. We have a lot of like really low, um, for some reason, like one foot, two foot tall, uh, like it's got to be 20 some year old, uh, fit, like, like barbed wire fencing here on a lot of, a lot of public uh, lands here, a lot of the WMAs and um, uh, uh, wildlife refuges for some reason have, have these you know, old, old fences. Um, and they'll be kind of going along a ridge line kind of thing. And then they'll like dive right back into the dirt because they're just kind of collapsed and then kind of come back up again. So, um, I don't know why they're there. They're just, they're just old boundary layers from, from God knows decades ago. But anyway, so I'm finding all the, the, the freshest of fresh and I'm setting up in areas where I know that if I could hang there a little bit longer, at least like near prime time, I'd have a shot. Now I know, you know, you can shoot deer midday, but the chances of you doing that are like astronomically smaller in my opinion. Um, plus I'm dealing with, you know, obviously just like anybody that hunts public, there's a lot of pressure out there. I'm seeing hikers, bikers, trail riders, horse riders, um, you know, everybody else. And, um, I'm just kind of having to deal with that aside from other hunters, of course. So, uh, anyway, so that was like my, my biggest, uh, heart pounding. I mean, my knees were shaking for five minutes after the whole encounter. I mean, it was, it was very, very cool, but I was really proud of myself for actually getting to a spot where, I mean, 15 yards closer, just 15 yards closer, um, would have been perfect. I, if I, if I picked a better tree for an exit route for, for, for this, for this, where this buck would have come out. I think I think it would have been it would have been money, and he had no idea I was there. But anyway, so I, I'm doing stuff right, and then I uh, anyway, so I ended up uh, going for two days, uh, once one week, and then once the following week up to, up to uh, Buddy's place, private land, uh, for rifle season. First day, I didn't see anything up there. Uh, again, this is a place where you know you, you got to get up at like 2:30, uh, get out of the house by three, drive up there two and a half hours, you know, walk in, get into the stand, uh, you know, sit all day or move around, you know, to different different stands or whatever, and then you know drive back. It's a long, long day, but um, I came up with nothing at, the, at like three minutes left in shooting light. Uh, so I had my scoped uh, rifle with me uh, for this one. And it was kind of bordering on a neighbor's field where if it's on the edge, you know, I mean, it, you, have, you have permission to you know, go ahead and shoot it. But it's not something that I would, you know, really do if it was like pretty far into the other neighbor's field. Number one. Number two, it was like three minutes left of legal light and it was pretty dark. And he was probably close to about 300 yards away. I wasn't going to take that shot. So um, nothing happened. So I came home a week later. I went back up there again. Uh, much colder this time and about eight o'clock in the morning 8 30 or so uh, a doe comes up behind me 
on the trail. Now, this area is like really, really high stem count, meaning like there's a lot of these like small diameter, like size of your, your thigh and your calf uh, pop poplars or the popples as they call them up there. Birch trees, basically poplars, birches. And uh, I, I had my 30-30, my open-sided 30-30 up there and I could not thread. Um, maybe I could have, I don't know, in hindsight. But I, I just couldn't thread. It was like 40 yards away. But I didn't think I could thread a bullet through there and, hit, and get a clean shot. 40 yards. Um, and it never never got any better. And then I didn't see another deer. Uh, well, actually, I did on my way out that night. But I didn't see another deer um, all day, all day long. So two trips up there, two long days, nothing with, uh, with, with rifles. So haven't had a chance to go up for muzzleloader. I may go out tomorrow morning. Uh, today is the, today's December 8th. I may go out tomorrow for a little bit, or I may just go ahead and pick up my bow and go a little bit closer because a lot of the WMAs and stuff around here the, uh, and, uh, wildlife refugees where you used to be able to shoot, uh, muzzleloader, uh, or shotgun or whatever, so, you know, single projectiles, they've all become, um, archery only areas and there's one area that's about maybe like 30 minutes south of me or whatever that's that's still like muzzle loader i may go down there i may not but again it's going to be a um it, it's going to be a midday midday kind of thing so that's just that's just kind of been my life all season you know realistically i've spent a bunch of time in the woods i've got a lot of miles and i mean a lot of miles like bow hiking around midday and there's a lot of spots that i found but i just those are just spots that i i need to be at um preferably at uh closing time or first thing in the morning and i just i can't do it it's it's really frustrating you know you just got to leave when when the getting's you know getting getting good so anyway so that's that's kind of been that's kind of been my, my my season you know a little bit, bit frustrating but also satisfying knowing that i've i think you know every year i hone uh, my skills a little bit more and more and more not that i'm a newbie at this but just getting closer and closer and closer as far as like physical distance to um to you know, to to betting and to de, to deciphering uh, uh, sign and, and and you know optimal you know uh, stand locations and things like that. Um, I'm doing it. I'm there. I'm just I'm just not being able to be there. You know, with you know the last half hour of daylight kind of thing, which which would be fantastic. But anyway, um, a lot of boot time, a lot of walking around, a lot of exercise, and a lot a lot of lot of um, knowledge gained. But anyway, so I am just rambling on here i don't really have a ton of other stuff to do i am actually going down to uh to hunt pigs with jim desias uh, of um if you listen to the mangroves um uh was it mountains the mangroves mangroves to mountains mountains to mangroves po uh, podcast and and he's you know he's he guides down there a little bit and he's got some access to land for uh for some pigs so i'm heading down there right after christmas for a few days that's going to be a lot of fun i already shipped my bow down there um that's just going to be you know whatever whatever happens super relaxing um you know finally you know i i decided that i'm just going to start trying to do some some more just just get out of town and do these other other trips that are just not just for deer just during deer season trying to get out um you know other times of the year just just to just to shake it up you know what you only, you only live once so um that's that's gonna be fun i'm really looking forward to that so anyway uh with that said today's guest sorry we're like over 15 minutes here but today's guest is a guy as uh, a boyer by the name of eric hoff he is the owner of saint patrick lake longbows uh builds beautiful stuff beautiful longbows uh his main his main kind of bread and butter is that uh, ASL, um, American Semi Longbow, like hill style bows. 
but he's got a bunch of other models uh, out there. Anything from uh, like the full-on hill style to the reverse handle to uh, some reflex deflex hybrids, and really cool stuff. He's a relatively newer boyer, but um, all the indications from people that shoot his stuff are that you know he he really knows his stuff. Um, I reference a. Um, uh, a YouTube video that he did with uh, Cody Greenwood of Trad Lab. You guys should go check that out too if you want to geek out on on um, some some design aspects and and just you know uh, you know further learn about uh, how he approaches building and and um, design and that kind of stuff. So. Uh, it was really good to really good to talk to him. We we did this midday. I I really wish I could have talked to him for like another hour because uh, you know he he really likes to geek out about like design and um uh, and, and so do I. It, it's it's that kind of stuff really kind of trips my trigger. But again, um, just schedule wise for him and for me, and then I I couldn't I couldn't do a podcast for more than like an hour hour and a bit. So um, had to kind of you know kind of abbreviated a little bit but hope to talk to him again in the future very cool so um definitely go check out his uh, his pot his, his, his podcast check out his website st patrick lakes uh st patrick lakes bows.com I, I, I'll, I'll probably even in, in the show notes or whatever just look up st patrick lakes longbows and uh, he'll be there and he's got a youtube channel where he's got some uh shooting demos and, and and some tips and tricks and that kind of stuff too as well so anyway uh hope your guys' thanksgiving went fantastic hope you guys is uh christmas going into christmas and shopping and all that stuff is also going really good hope your holiday seasons are going good and um that's it here is my interview with eric hoff of st patrick lakes longbows i swear i keep saying i'm gonna get a new one for christmas and i never do you know i spend my uh, my money on other things like like bows and hunting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. So we have Eric Hoff on the phone, and uh, Eric is a bowyer and uh, the owner of St. Patrick Lake Longbows. Right. That's correct. Cool. So thanks for doing this. We it's you. You've been super busy. We've been trying to set this up for a while. Um, you've been super busy. I've been super busy. I haven't recorded one in about three weeks. A little more than that. Um, it's just getting into the whole grind of like no time as it is to do normal stuff much less go hunting much less you're trying to run a business and you've been hunting and like i you know any free moment i've had that i could possibly sneak away for even like an hour or so i've been trying to get out in the woods so um this is like it's 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 almost weird for me like getting back into the groove of things of like actually talking to someone <laughs> you know so, so I, I appreciate you doing this so oh, no, uh, thank you for having me on i appreciate it so um, you are a Minnesota guy. I'm a Minnesota guy. I've been well. I haven't. I wasn't born here, but uh, you know, been here for for you know, almost 20 years, I guess. But um, you are in what the so- southwest kind of corner of Minnesota? Is that where um, Saint Saint Patrick no, Lake is? That mid northwest. Um, we're uh, I'm in Detroit Lakes, which is almost oh. exactly an hour straight east of Fargo, North Dakota. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I've, uh, I have, I have a couple of friends that, that are from, um, from DL as they call it. They try, <laughs> they try to be cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are you, uh, are you a native from there? Or? No, no, actually I grew up, I'm native Minnesotan. I grew up, uh, Southeast of Rochester, a little teeny community called Wyckoff. Um, of course I grew up out in the country and roamed no around. No kidding. But, uh, Yeah. So. Um, friends of ours own, is it the gas and sip down there? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah. I don't know if you've been, 
I don't know if it still is. I, I haven't, uh, my folks uh, were still there until about a, a year ago. And, uh, and then they, they sold their property and moved up here to be closer to uh, grandkids and stuff. But um, I would go down there and I would hunt a lot every year. We'd hunt down there all the time, but, um, mm. but I really didn't go into town at all when I was there. So I, I don't know <laughs> what it's called anymore. Yeah. A, a town in air quotes. Cause it's, it's such a small, I mean, it's a beautiful area, kind of rolling Hills. Um, yeah. It's uh, totally different than what, what many would consider Minnesota to be, which is kind of flat prairie kind of thing. But yeah, they, uh, they, they bought that gas station, like, I don't know, like four or five years, not three, four or five years ago, oh. something like that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so this, so they're in Wyckoff. So, um, yeah, yeah. Beautiful area. So did you, yeah. Did you grow up, um, like, did you grow up hunting down there? I mean, how was, what was your introduction to, uh, kind you of know, the outdoors and picking it, up a bow? It's kind of funny. I mean, I, I always, I grew up playing in the woods constantly. I mean, we had, uh, I called it an 800 acre playground. Um, my mm. folks didn't own that much. We had, uh, we had a, a log home out in the, out in the country and didn't have a neighbor for like a mile, mile and a half. And we had all this woods and, uh, and of course crop fields and stuff, There's a lot of farming down there, um, around us. Um, and we could roam all of that, or we had, uh, the landowners that were around the property that my folks owned, let us kind of have free range and we could just, run they were they were friends of ours and friends of my parents parents and stuff you know so it was people that we we'd known forever and, and uh, so they just kind of let us kids roam and and uh, so that's how I kind of got uh, got into the woods my dad introduced me to archery when I was about I think it was nine when he he bought me a, a compound um, and we shot league together for a few years and he did not grow up hunting. My dad did not. And um, not that he didn't want to, it's just he didn't, uh, you know, wasn't involved with it. His folks didn't, uh, weren't involved with it. And um, and so he he knew I had a desire to to be in the woods and to, and to bow hunt. And so when I turned 12 and, and could, um, you know, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, but we went out and, and did. We had some uh, we had some good deer around around us there. A fantastic hunting area down there. Um, but I really I hunted a little bit with uh, with no success, you know, for my first few years there. And then uh, as high school came along, got involved in sports, and just honestly didn't have time to spend in the woods uh, as far as you know in the fall during hunting season anyway. And so I didn't for for several years, um, and really didn't start hunting again. Uh, until at least on a regular basis anyway, until I, I met my, until I met my wife and, uh, this is, oh, well, y'all, <laughs> I feel like it's a long time ago now, but when I met her, her stepdad, yeah, don't, don't tell her that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, her stepdad though was, a just a religious bow hunter. And, um, so he got me back involved with it. He knew I had shot and and uh and and love to love to shoot bow so he got me back involved with it and i actually shot my uh my first deer was a was a buck that i shot behind their house um the first night that i ever sat down and uh you know looking back at it it was kind of like wow this is i mean that's what like really got me back into it was like, i mean if i hadn't shot that deer that day you know, I might not have been so excited about it, but that just got me fired up and the, you know, just reignited a spark and, and just grew from there. Um, so that was kind of my, you know, reintroduction into bow hunting. Um, 
And then probably, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, um, I was buying a new compound bow. And at the time I was a guy that I bought a compound bow every year, a brand new one. Uh, so I'd go to, and I'd buy the best one, you know, the highest tech, everything. And, um, but I felt like there was something more and I was at a archery country in Brainerd or Bermidji. I can't remember, but I was shooting a new bow and I it didn't have any sights on it. I was just trying them out. And I was like, wow, this is, there's a really cool connection with the arrow here when I don't have sights on it. And that was like where I, I started to separate compound from, from uh, long bow recurve and kind of dive into the, the traditional side of things. And so I, I went on to, I think it was archery talk. I found a used longbow, bought it. And it, the first few arrows out of there, I was just in love. I mean, it was like, this is what I should have been doing my whole life, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so as I, it was like I was diving down a rabbit's hole and I just wanted to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. The further I got into traditional and, and hunting with a longbow and, and, um, eventually I decided I wanted to try to build something. And it, that was, it was a really short span there from, from when I, uh, bought that first one to when I started building them, because I just, I mean, I was like all in head first, you know, but funny thing was, uh, the first, first game animal that I, well, I shouldn't call it a game animal. The first animal that I had killed with a, with longbow was actually a skunk. And, uh, I don't recommend that to anybody. (laughs) Not not too smart, but I, um, I I was actually down, I've got a range, um, on the lower part of my yard down kind of by the lake. And, uh, and I was down there shooting and I saw this black and white thing scurry kind of out of the woods and, and go towards the, towards the edge of the water. And um, there's some willow trees and stuff that that line the edge of the lake there. And I thought, I'm going to shoot this thing. Well, I pinwheeled it at about 20, 21, 22 yards. And at that time, I had probably killed, I don't know, 25 to 30 deer with my with my compound bows over the years, just in, you know, whether it was Minnesota, North Dakota, wherever I was at. Um, but I tell you what, that skunk was the most rewarding feeling um you know because i i felt like i had put so invested so much more uh time and energy into becoming proficient shooting a, a trad bow and sure. it, i mean i honestly it was more exciting than probably than the first deer that i shot and uh so that was that just sent me further down the you know the traditional path and um and I think probably there's so many, so many guys that I deal with now that are coming from the compound world to the, to the traditional world, which I think is really cool. And I can kind of relate to them because I, I had that same transition, you know, it was a long time ago, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's neat to see that because I think there's so many guys now that just, you know, they, they want a new challenge. And I think the, in the compound or gun hunting world or whatever, you know, you it separates at some point, you've got to take a turn, um, whether you want to start shooting a hundred yards or you want to start getting closer to the game animal. And I think a lot of the guys that decide they want to start getting closer, then they take that next step. And, 
and uh, want to put a stick and string in their hand. And, and, uh, and I just love that. I love hearing those stories. And um, anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but that's, that's really oh. <laughs> what, uh, you know, what got me, what got me into the, into the traditional side of things. And, and he, uh, you know, was the stepping stone to me starting to build. So, so, um, no, that, 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 that's perfect. You're, you're doing half my job here because, uh, you answered all the questions. <laughs> I, I like it when people talk, it's like, go on. Um, so did you then have, um, any other any kind of like experience building anything like a woodworking or any kind of a, like, like craft with your hands or anything like that? I mean, before, when you decided to be like, Hey, I'm going to build bows now. You know, I mean, really a little bit, not a whole lot. I mean, I built some stuff. I, you know, growing up out in the country, we had, uh, we had horses and stuff. So I had built, uh, you know, saddle, saddle racks and things like that. Um, built forts and tree houses and, and things like that. I mean, I knew, knew my way around a hammer and nails and, you know, a screwdriver and, you know, woodworking equipment. Um, didn't know a darn thing about bows um, other yeah. than, I knew the limbs needed to bend. I knew there needed to be a handle to grab onto. <laughs> and that was, that was really about it. So it was really kind of, kind of diving in. Obviously. Yep. I think I lost you. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, there was yep. a phone call popped in. Um, anyway, so I had, uh, you know, I picked up a few things, um, obviously shooting and, and learning about uh, bows as I was, you know, shooting some used ones initially. And so not knowing anything, what I, what I did was I, um, I bought a kit from, uh, what is it? Bingham's, I think it's called. And mm -hmm. you know, I built my first one and I, I got the kit here and, and it made sense, but I didn't like, I didn't like the look of the bow that, that, uh, was supposed to be built with that. So I immediately started tweaking <laughs> and I've, <laughs> I've always, I've been a guy that I always like to tweak things. I like to get things the way that I like it. Um, yeah. But I have a, uh, I don't want to say a really in-depth understanding of math and curves and things like that, but I have a, a general understanding and I know how to work with them like in my head really well. And so I, um, so I had this idea once I saw the design that that Bingham's kit was supposed to be, um, on how to make it something more that I, that I wanted. And however, I didn't know if it was going to work. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, um, I changed the form that, uh, their design had to what I wanted it to be. Um, used the, the laminations had to reshape a riser block that, that came with it, uh, into what I wanted it to be. And, uh, <clears throat> lo and behold, that bow worked and, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. I was, uh, like just, you know, it was amazing to, to me at that time to, uh, to be able to glue up some, you know, some pieces of glass, a few pieces of, I think I used hard maple in that and, uh, and a riser block and have something that I could put a string on and go out and I could shoot something and then it would end up on my table, you know, yeah. so, um, I shot that bowl for a while and I, between that and having a few used ones around that I had purchased, um, I found some feel like, you know, the feel of the shot. I found some things that I liked and didn't like about the bow that I had built. So I started tweaking that. And eventually over the, over the next few years, I, I just, I would build one, 
and I'd tweak it and I'd build one for like my brother-in-law or, you know, so, you know, a family friend or a friend or something. And, and just, just so I could build it. Cause I thoroughly enjoyed the building process and tweaking and, and stuff. And, uh, I didn't need to have 30 bows myself. And so I was, you know, I'd be like, Hey, do you want to try this traditional thing? I'll build you a bow. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of a, kind of something I just, I just did. And eventually I got to a point where I, I really felt like I had something. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, the first, well, I had two, two models initially, um, that I, you know, put out there. Uh, hey, by the way, what, what year was this? What year when did you, did you first like kind of build your first one and then kind of steam? So that, was, that was eight or nine years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. I didn't really bring it to out to, you know, to the public, I guess, until I don't know if it's been three or four years now. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, not that I didn't want to, it was just, I never really, it wasn't even really a plan <laughs> to, to become a, you know, to start, to start building and selling. Um, but, but it ended up turning into that night and I, and I love it that it did because it's a, it's a incredibly fun to be able to, uh, to, to build something for somebody that has the same passion as you and mm -hmm. then find out that they've gone out and been able to successfully, you know, harvest an animal with it. And, um, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, it sounds like you've got a pretty like critical mind, you know what I mean? And, and I yeah. like to think I, I'm a good, pretty good critical thinker, but yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not going down the road of building a bow. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I always kind of look at people that, that do that. Like, okay. So I asked the same question to Bob Smith, right. From big stick. And, uh, same deal. I mean, he was, I believe he was like a social worker or something like that, you know, but he just got tired of the compound thing. And one day he's like, you know what, I'm just going to build some bows. And then he was same deal. He ordered, he ordered like a kid or he ordered like the Boyer's Bible. And then he just started cranking them out. You know what I mean? So I, I, I just kind of look at people like that, like, okay, that's, that's just awesome. You know, at least <laughs> right. there, there are those of you out there that can do that. Cause I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think it, you know it's something you have to absolutely love to do, um, you know, because you're gonna you're gonna fail so many times, and uh, you know before you build something that you truly like, and I mean that makes success that much more um, rewarding, I guess. But uh, but you really, I think anybody that's into bows, they they have to love doing it. Yeah, you know. So what was the uh, the impetus to do? a longbow versus like a recurve. I know you said you originally first got a longbow, but um, I'm sure you must've shot recurves in the meantime or in between somewhere. Like what, what kind of uh, steered you toward the longbow path versus trying to pursue something in recurves? It's just, it's just like what you, you like to shoot. Uh, is it just personal preference or what was it? Uh, honestly, initially it was appearance. Um, I, I went down, I bought the longbow. I bought a used longbow first um, because I thought recurves were ugly, to be honest. With. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't. I don't stick with that because there are some beautiful recurves out there too. Don't get me wrong, um, but I hadn't been exposed to everything at the time either. Yeah. And so I initially went down the longbow path because of that. Um, and and I did buy a used recurve and shot that too. I found that I enjoyed the uh, the longbow much better. Um, grip style uh hand positioning and, and that type of thing just suits me better from a on a longbow standpoint rather than the you know a, a higher wrist grip that's typical of a recurve 
Um, it just it just doesn't like shoot. locator yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah, not the not so much that a locator, but you know most longbows are going to be a, a low wrist or a medium wrist locator if they have a locator on them, or you know like my American right. and Pacific stick or ASLs, and they're you know dished or or a straight grip type of a type of thing. I can put a locator on those too, but um that lower wrist or straight grip straighter grip is uh it just suits me better and um and i i just enjoy shooting them more um and I, there's some nostalgia to the you know longbow being more you know older and having more history i guess than uh you know than the the recurve is i guess a little bit more modern although it's still you know quite quite older and you know quite old and traditional but sure um, yeah yeah um i i hear you on the on the nostalgia thing because um i i've I've been wanting to try for you know a long time i've been wanting to try like a a straight grip asl bow right yeah because um and and i've been shooting traditional like i'm this is like my about my fifth year or so approximately um and I've, i've i've shot a bunch of different stuff but never really did like the full um longbow as far yeah. as straight grip uh, straight limb, um, you know, like full on, you know, the pole package, longer bow. And, you know, you get, when you shoot for a while, you get, you kind of eliminate things that you don't like as far as, um, certain characteristics in a bow that you do right. like or don't like as far as length. I like this kind of grip. I like this kind of whatever, but I still, cause I, you know, I'm friends with Jason Sanko, Simkoviak, right? So, I mean, of course he's, he's nonstop going on about the, um, uh, the hill bow, straight grip, all this and that. And I'm like, okay, I, I got to try like the whole package, right? Cause maybe I'm just not getting like individually. I don't necessarily like a longer bow. I don't like, you know, like that's straight grip. I don't necessarily like the, um, uh, you know, whatever, but the simplicity of like an ASL, I thought, well, maybe if I just get the whole package, maybe all those stars align and like the sum is greater than the total of its parts, you know? <laughs> well, I bought, I bought a used uh, Northern Mist and this is no cut on Northern Mist whatsoever. Um, I bought it and as soon as I picked it up, I knew that, that there was no way in hell that we were going to jive, you know? I mean, it, it, it was, it was again, not the Northern Mist, but like the straight grip ASL bow um, yep. does not want to be in my hand whatsoever. I mean, I wanted to jump out of my hand before I even like, I'm not talking like, like shooting it. I'm talking, just picking it up <laughs> off the table, you know? Um, and I tried and I tried and I'm like, you know what? It's, this is just not for me. You know, um, it takes a very, I, I, I guess, I don't want to say unique person because that, that makes it sounds kind of snarky. I'm not trying to be that way, but it takes a certain person to like that that style of bow to shoot that well. And I'm just this is not me. Yeah, you're right, and you know, and uh, it takes time, I guess, more than uh, well, I don't know. There's a lot of things that go into it, but to get used to that straight grip. Now, see, I'm an ASL guy through and through. Um, yeah. that's where my heart and soul lies, and I shoot a straight grip. 99% of the time I can shoot a low wrist locator, but I do not like it. Um, I actually, I've built a, uh, cause I, I try to have at least one of every bow that I make. Um, the last time I built myself a Minnesota stick, which is a mild reflex deflex. I actually built it with a straight grip on it because I, and I don't do that. That's a, I sell it with a low wrist locator, but I hate a locator grip. To be <laughs> I've shot ASL for so so much, and yeah. I, and I shoot a lot. Um, and I shoot that straight grip better. I can shoot a dish grip fairly well too. But I, 
the uh, you know recurve guys, especially um, come coming to the AFL world, and I and I have a lot of that. I really they I have a lot of guys that want a locator grip, and I won't build it for them because it as a recurve shooter, you tend to um, put the pressure in your hand up higher in you know high almost to the webbing of your hand because mm-hmm. you're used to or a high risk grip if you do that you will you will have a horrible shooting experience with an asl so i'll tell people that you know your first one has got to be either a straight or a dish grip after that i'll build you a locator after you understand where your hand positioning has to be because that hand position in your bow hand um either makes or breaks the the shooting experience with an asl and uh, there's so many people that they don't really realize that and uh will come to buy it you know they'll go buy an asl want to try out the hill style thing and uh you know they'll they'll grip it like a recurve and it almost takes the teeth out of their head because it vibrates so bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah you know um and it's just uh so i try to when i have a customer like that i try to educate a little bit on on that hand positioning and because you really shouldn't feel anything out of a out of a at least my bows anyway um i know that they're you know boyers build them differently and stuff but my asls are pretty well dead in the hand if you you know if you hold them correctly and uh, yeah because i was here you know you got to like you know so like, like grip it like a man you know what i mean like yeah. you know just straight out you know broomstick get a firm grip on it and i do i don't i don't necessarily shoot with that you know kind of dinky uh like compound you know kind of uh grip or anything like that but um yeah i mean even like the like the, the the part that goes in in your webbing of your hand, you know what I mean? Like the line down your hand um, was, you know, skinnier than like the fronts. Oh, again, I'm I'm using. I, I'm sorry. I I hate old timey terminology. But the back of the, the back of the bow. It's 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 the goddamn front of the bow. But the front of the you know it almost felt better like holding it backwards. You know what I mean? Because it was more rounded on the front side of the bow than it was you know where the the grip actually should go in your hand kind of thing. So just all around. I, and I couldn't I couldn't um actually get. I couldn't get a firm grip like when you're it almost felt like um like if you're uh, and I know that the, the common cut, you know, on it is like, uh, oh, it's like gripping a two by four. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like a dig at uh, ASLs. But it, it's uh, it's the way I'm thinking about it. I'm referenced that reference to me means like it's it's hard to get your hands comfortably curled around um, uh well, I mean, it, I mean, it does look like it's shrunk down two by four. You know what I mean? And the curvature of your fingers as it's going around the front side there, it just it it just doesn't have enough contact for me. Um, it's yeah. almost like you're squeezing something in the in a two dimensional like in a vice kind of thing. Like your fingers are like trying to shove the bow back into your uh, the meat of your of your hand versus me actually squeezing with equal force all around the grip that I can get with with the locator. And that's the part that I was having trouble with, is actually really getting a firm grip um, around around the bow and feeling even pressure on, you know, across, you know, my fingers and my palm and everything like that. And I just I just couldn't get that part down. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right, yeah. Well, you know, and I think that's where you don't have to grip it that way. People People think you have to grip, you know, grab on like a broomstick and hold it you know, really death grip that thing, you don't have to. Um, I shoot mine with a, uh, you know, the pressure's low in my hand, you're healing down, but I hold my hand almost in the identical, uh, you know, if you hold your palm up um, and you're waving at somebody so that your, uh, 
it's really hard to do to explain that without a without a picture um the uh hang on one second yep okay sorry about that That's um but you can almost hold it like you're like you're shooting a uh, you know a regular locator grip just you know where your where your fingers or your your uh, finger knuckles are out at a 45 degree angle mm -hmm. um, as long as you've got that grip pressure down low in your hand uh healing down then uh that you don't have to death grip that thing i don't death grip mine at all um i have a i have a really i don't want to say that it's a good video but i have a video that i put on my youtube channel to uh to help a guy um had a customer that that needed some help um with grip pressure and, and uh, getting a clean release but i went through a lot of things in that video um as far as grip pressure bow hand placement and and then actually the release as well um that kind of i use it a lot because it, it explains how to grip and how to push through the center of the grip of the bow um you know so that you get it so you're not affecting the tiller um and uh, and i reference that video a ton especially with guys coming from that haven't shot asl before uh, and they're having issues with that but um but there's you know there's always uh you know there's always a few ways to do things you know howard hill said grip it like a man you know um you, you definitely don't have to to shoot yeah. it that way if it's uncomfortable for you i think the most important thing with with any style of shooting is you got to be comfortable and you got to be able to make it repeatable for yourself or you just you know it's not going to be a good experience and you want to have fun with this you know oh no I, I, absolutely and it was one of those things where it's like okay um I, I i might give it another go down the line you know what i mean but uh i, I think for now i'm, I'm just gonna lay it down and just just stick to what <laughs> right. i got but um so let's get into your different different styles here the, your, your different models you've got um, i'm on your website right now you've got the american stick pacific stick northern stick adventure and swift stick man so so kind of just kind of briefly talk about um uh, talk about all, all, all those sure um i'll finish with the asls because i'll probably talk about those more than okay because that's where my that's where my love is at but um so the the swift stick and the adventure stick are uh are basically they're hybrid hybrid longbows um you know extreme reflex deflex bows and they are they're basically the same bow which is the the swift stick i came out with first it's a 64 inch and then the the adventure stick is basically a smaller version of that but it is a uh it's a little bit of a, I don't want to say it's a different animal, but it, it, it's, it's different enough that I had to call it something different rather than saying, okay, yeah, this is just a 60 inch swift stick. Um, it's faster. And, uh, and I mean, it's, they're both forgiving the way that the, the, the limbs are designed on that. Um, uh, and this goes for most hybrids out there. Um, the way that those limbs are designed and come back and, you know, kind of, uh, unroll if you will yeah um, it it allows a you know a long draw long draw shooter to shoot a short bow mm -hmm. and uh, and still you know you kind of get the best of both worlds you get the stability of a long bow but the speed of a recurve and um they're they're both really fun bows to shoot they're they both come with a, a locator grip on them typically build it with a low wrist but i can adjust that and uh center cut 
or center cut shell. So the, you know, real forgiving on spine, really easy to shoot. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just that that was kind of my, my first, one of the first bows I came out with was called the passion stick. I, I adjust, I made some um, adjustments to that and tweaks and improvements and things over the, the first year or two that I had that out and that evolved into the swift stick. And so that's where that one, that's where that came from. Um, yeah, they're good looking. I'm looking at them right now. That one, that one kind of caught. The, those ones kind of caught my eye too, because that's that's more kind of the, you know, it's, it's more my groove. You know what I mean? <laughs> as, far, as far as looks and stuff, yeah, they're beautiful. Well, they're yeah. A lot of people love them. They're uh, they're absolutely fun to shoot, and and they're quiet, and they're fast, and you know, if you're a a speed guy, that that uh, adventure stick. I mean, it's it's so compact. You can you know you can shoot it out of out of anything, and uh, and then you know, and you get the speed out of it. And the crazy thing with that is I, you can get back, you can shoot like, I think a 32 inch draw guy can shoot that 60 inch bow, which is, you know, just insane. But um, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fun one. Um, I guess the Minnesota stick would be kind of the, the next one that I would go to. And that one, it's a, that one kind of evolved out of a couple different models. Um, my, the first bow that I had ever built um, was, I don't want to say the basis for that, but between that and I, I took some features out of the design that I have for the American stick and, and uh, some tweaks that I had made over the years to that, that first one and blended everything together. And of course, I had made some tweaks on it as I, as I went. But I wanted a mild reflex deflex to be out there, you know, for guys. And um, yeah, there's not a lot of back set to it. It's it's a little bit if you look at un, unstrung. Again, I'm looking at the website here. So right, yep, it's really mild. The you know the, the R and D that's in it, it's really mild. But it's um and it's not the it's not a speed demon by any means. But it's really it's easy to shoot. Um, it's got a big riser in it, and you can you put a you know. A, different woods and whatever in there um you know or even g10 or whatever you want to do you can have a ton of mass there in the center making it incredibly stable just because that riser oh, okay. is big uh and then um but it's just a it's a simple great hunting bow um it has some design features that i brought from the from the asl world that nobody would with a naked eye would ever see or even know that are there but it um makes it really stable and it almost looks like um the deflex coming off the riser is closer to an asl but then you've got like again that kind of mild uh you know rd kind of um limb going on there is right. that yeah. my on point yep. there yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, what's kind of unique about that bow versus the other ones is i have a uh, i've got a six inch long tip wedge in that that um makes the the last probably, probably the last four inches are actually static and okay. so it, it kind of creates a little bit of a whipping action um, on the end of that limb and gives it a little bit of extra speed because it, it's not meant to be a speed bow, but mm -hmm. it, it keeps up with some of the top, uh, R, you know, mild R&Ds out there. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a dead quiet bow. Um, it's 64 inches long is the only length I make that in, but it can... Uh, can be drawn out to I think 30 or 31 inches if I remember right and um it's it's been extremely popular uh especially with just with hunters in general um yeah. 
And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it fits the, you know, that kind of guys that, you know, are, are moving out of the, the hybrid world. I think a lot of guys will go from whether it's compound or, or recurve. And when they go to the longbow side, they're going to go to a hybrid first. Cause that's the, it's the most similar. It's the easiest transition. And I would absolutely agree. And then they'll maybe move to a, a mild R and D. And then if they really want to dive into the AFL world and they go there. Um, but yeah, that Minnesota stick makes a, makes a good fit for a, for a mild R and D and just a good solid hunting bow. Um, then if we were to move to the ASL world, uh, my American stick was, uh, kind of the basis for both the Pacific and the, and the Northern. The Pacific is actually just a, is a, is an American stick. It just has U cores in it. So they're, they're an identical bowl. The design is exactly the same. Um, but so the American stick, that's my, that's my baby. Uh, I spent so much time designing and, uh, built, a ton of uh bows that i that i threw away or i would call them firewood bows you know they just <laughs> i built i actually i kept records on on all of them they made makes on or i shouldn't say major because they got really minimal as as i got closer to what i wanted but i built 63 different versions of that that i kept kept record of and then there was still holy some, moly. yeah i know <laughs> i just i wanted to get to this this uh this feel was I always put feel before speed um, in in my designs, and I, I wanted it to feel a certain way, and I wanted a I wanted a bow that was um, you know it was soft drawing, but it had this it still had a certain amount of speed, and was just a really good um, good hunting bow. If you talk to you talk to some of the the old time ASL guys. They're going to tell you that, you know, the, the straight limb is, is incredibly forgiving and, uh, you know, the ASL is the most forgiving thing in the world. There's some, there's some stuff to be said about that. And, and it is true in a hunting situation. I would absolutely agree. But for a guy um, that's coming from recurve or, or a hybrid or uh, even just any sort of a R&D bow to, to the ASL, there's going to be a learning curve, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it shoots different it, and it takes a little bit to learn that and get used to it. And, um, but I wanted a bow that, um, I don't, I don't want to say that it's an easier transition than any other ASL. Cause it's going to take a little bit to learn, but my bows, I spent so much time trying to get hand shock out of them, um, and trying to make sure that it was, you know, smooth drawing and then dead in the hand. That was like my ultimate goal with that. And I, I got it. It took a long time to get there <laughs> and a lot of bows went into the, went into the fire pit. Um, but that American stick is smooth as butter. And, and the, the crazy thing is, I mean, it, it's dead in the hand too, but it's a string follow, but it's pretty darn fast. Um, Trad lab did some tests on it and uh, it's, it's out beating, it's beating out a lot of back set ASLs. Yeah, I watched that video you did with with uh, Cody too. That that uh, podcast or video you guys did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't. You know, so that's that's where my heart and soul is at. And it, it wasn't initially. I don't really know what even uh, turned me on to the the AFL world. There was a long time ago. I shouldn't say a long time ago, but 
several years back, um, there was a boyer in Michigan who was really involved in the Michigan traditional bow hunters. Um, his name was uh, Maurice Cash, and uh, he built a bunch of ASLs. And when he passed away, his family was was selling them. Um, I bought one of them, and I I had never really put any time into ASL shooting prior to getting that bow. And I got it and I shot it and I could not shoot it for the life of me, but I, I gave it, I, well, I hung it up for a while and then I, I kept coming back to it. Eventually I did learn how to shoot it. And that's, and I was, when I learned how to shoot it, there's, you know, everybody talks about the, or I shouldn't say everybody, but, um, you know, Ted Nugent, he says the, the mystical flight of the arrow and, uh, you know, there's, there's something to be said about the mystical flight of an arrow, but you get a mystical flight of an arrow coming out of an ASL and there's absolutely nothing like seeing that arrow flight. It's just, you know, watching that arrow fly down in a perfect spiral. And maybe it's just cause it's not as fast. I don't know, but it's, uh, it is, it's different than shooting anything else. And there is, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of history behind it. There's a lot of, uh, nostalgia and and all that but it's a different bow and if uh if a guy really puts the time into it and you got to have a heart for that you know but um it's it's different there's something different about it something magical about, about getting an all the shoot right <laughs> no i absolutely there's something to be said about that um that iconic um picture uh or meme or whatever that's it wouldn't be a meme but you know what i mean of just it, somebody like at full draw with with an with a with a hill bow with an asl bow you know what i mean just that d shape and it could be like a stick figure you know with that i'm not talking to anyone in particular but that shape is just i don't know i don't know whether it just kind of goes um it sparks some 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 sort of like i don't know primitive uh hunter thing in your soul or whatever it is but there's just it's just a very very cool image you know yeah, and yeah simple i think you know and that's that's about it. I mean, you really, you've got a stick and a string in your hand and, um, to know that you can go out and, uh, shoot something with that is, is pretty darn cool. So then you said the Pacific stick is always, is very close to the, um, uh, to the American, but it is, um, it's got bamboo and uh, bamboo cores. Is that, is that the only difference you said, so or is that the American stick has bamboo cores? Um, oh, the the Amer- okay. is, uh, has U cores, which, oh. um, so I, I started diving into that, um, into different woods and different cores and stuff because uh, well, I had I had the opportunity to shoot a couple of bows with with you, but I'd been talking to a few guys in the you know that have been around ASLs for for many many years. Um, it's actually Ben Maher down in uh, Australia is mm-hmm. uh, big in the ASL world and. Um, he had, I was reading a, some, some post, I don't know. And he had said something about, uh, that you was his favorite core would. And so I reached out to him cause we, he had, he has a couple of my, uh, American sticks. He, well, he has a Pacific stick now too, but, um, I reached out to him to see what, what qualities he liked about you over bamboo and other, other core woods. And so we started talking about that and I thought, well, you know, I talked to a few other people in the in the meantime as well about this, and but I thought well, I'm going to find some you and I'm going to build one and just and see what it's like. So I built one, 
I built one to the identical specs as my, uh, my primary American stick so that I'd have something to compare it to. And um, I drew that back and I thought I must have screwed up because it felt much lighter. And, uh, you know, drawing it back, it's just, the draw with the U-core is so smooth. And I actually put it back on my tiller to, to double check draw weight because I wanted to make sure I didn't... Uh, misread something or my scale was off hmm. and it's just it's it really feels like you're you could you could almost build a bow you know in that five pound heavier neighborhood to get the same you know the same feel it's just that much softer really? and yeah and then the uh the the speed was another surprise to me because it's actually faster than than bamboo as well um we're getting about somewhere i haven't officially tested it cody greenwood has a pacific stick as well and i, I wanted to get his official testing because his equipment is far better than mine yeah uh, but uh so i've been waiting to see but i know with with the stuff yeah, just got, go just go with the bro science throw out a number yeah, right. <laughs> so we're in the you know but what i'm getting is is three to five feet per second faster wow. um with with you cores and uh and the same arrows so which is really really interesting um because i wouldn't have ever thought you know i mean everybody builds with bamboo and that's that's the way it is and so diving into that was uh was a, it was a pleasant surprise the results that uh that came with it interesting so then you got one more bow here which is the northern stick and that looks like a reverse handle one right it is so it's a, a that one was kind of based off the American stick idea as well, just uh, bringing a reverse handle to the to the market because um, it's it's a more forgiving bow to to transition into the ASL world with. Um, a lot of people love it because the that reverse handle, since your your actual grip, uh, your hand pressure is actually right on the belly side of the limbs itself. Yeah, uh, it's nearly impossible to torque it, and so. A regular ASL is so easy to torque because your your pressure is so far away from the limbs um, that it's really it's simple to torque a regular ASL. So you got to be really careful with that. But that reverse handle um, makes it really really easy to shoot. It's you know really forgiving in that respect, mostly because you can't torque it. But um, also it's got a higher brace height, uh, which also helps with forgiveness. Um, it allows you to order a little bit shorter bow because you're effectively drawing less distance. Right. Uh, you know, your handle is on the other side. And so that, that helps. You also now have the mass, the mass weight of the riser is on the back side of the bow away from you, which also helps energy transfer. And, uh, wait, go, go on, go into that a little bit. Every, everything else until then, it's like, you know, I, you know, it, they're kind of like known things but what is the last thing you just said to explain that a little bit well obviously mass the more mass you can put in the riser the more stable it's going to be right so you know you see guys that are that are building um like widow okay let's just use their riser for example they've got a lot of mass on the say up by the limb bolts on a three-piece if you're if you're building a three they've got a lot of mass up there that makes your bow really stable the further you can um move that mass away from your hand um mm -hmm. the more stable that it's going to be so same thing goes you can move the mass on the front side it doesn't have the same effect 
but it makes it more stable. But also, the more mass that you have in the in the bow, the more it can transfer to the arrow. Okay, so you have. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, I know, yep. Does that make okay? So, yeah, yeah, but, but finish your thought. I'm sorry, I cut you off. It made sense in oh, my head yeah. now, but yeah, finish your thought. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. It's just that, that putting it on the the further out away from your hand you can put it, the better that is as well, because you one you're more stable, um, but two it just it just allows more that energy to be forward on the arrow that the arrow more. So yep. uh, yeah, if that uh, I hope <laughs> I hope I explained that to to some comprehension anyway. Um, you're not losing any energy. Um, not that it's like moving much, but like, let's say with squirm or, or torque or anything like that, it's not going to the bow because it's, it's, it's not moving the bow because it, it is a harder mass to move. So, um, yeah. that energy is then more of it's transferred to the string. I don't know if you ever did this, did this, um, uh, kind of comparison when you when you shot compounds or i guess you could do this with 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 any bow but i mean did you ever notice that like your arrow almost seems like different speed or, or flight differently like if you held something very very loose um versus like like a lot of compound guys have the uh the wrist strap right yep. so if you just you're not even you're just barely holding on to it and then you just let it go and then um you know you shoot it that way compared to you're actually got a firm grip on that bow um <laughs> it shoots completely differently because if you have a really, really loose one, I mean, some of that energy is moving to, it's going to like move that bow around in your hand a little bit. You know yes. what I mean? Whereas if it's more solid and not moving, then everything's going into that string. You know, again, that's kind of just shooter feel bro science, but it is, there's something to it, I think. Well, there's a lot to, to, to the, the bro science, you know, I mean, yeah. um, you know, most of it's just, you just sit down and you think and, oh, hey, that's logical. You know, a lot of it is, um, you know, I could talk curves and, and uh, all that stuff in my, in my designs all day long, but it's most of it is uh, just logical thinking. And, and, you know, and my tweaks were just logically based off of, off of changes I wanted to make from the, from the previous design. So like, oh, I need to move this because this is happening. And so, you know, it's just really it's logical thinking and uh, yeah. not, I mean, not everybody's going to go out and build a bow, but um, I don't want to say it's not rocket science because there's, there's some rocket scientists that do build bows and they, they build in incredible bows. Um, Sam, I, I can't even say his last name, <laughs> but he'll know who he's, who he is, what he, what he hears me, but he's an actual uh, aerospace engineer. I believe that, uh, that builds a really crazy complicated, not complicated, but, um in-depth science into his uh his riser and uh you know so there's there's a lot of science that goes into into the bows um and into the design features and stuff but really it comes down to logic when you're making changes and making you know design improvements and things yeah i mean there's actually math and numbers behind all this stuff you know which um i i did, I did a uh when I when I first started doing this podcast too, like a couple of years ago, I I did I did one on like uh like the trad police, you know what I mean, and yep. just like the attitudes out there in the trad police, and I pissed <laughs> a lot of people off. I said, uh, yeah. what I said, I said this thing isn't uh, what is it? it? Oh, it's not it's not the air wasn't magically guided by Fred Bear's ghost and powered by unicorn piss. Oh boy, <laughs> I got. <laughs> I got I got some upset people, you know. But my my point was that there's actual 
like numbers and ballistics, you know, that, that go into whatever projectile you're, you're throwing through the air. You know what I mean? It's not magic. It's okay to enjoy the flight of the arrow and, you know, and, and like all the, um, you know, traditional and all, all this and that. But, you know, when, when, you, when you're trying to, let's say, tune something or, you know, trying to figure something out as far as best flight, best arrow recovery, all, all this other stuff, the geek out stuff, there's actual numbers behind what's going on. That was, that was my only point, you know, so I could have been a little more eloquent about it, but I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but, it, but it's true. And there is, there is hard numbers behind it. And I try, I can geek out with anybody on this stuff because I, I love it. I love all of the in-depth stuff. And I, I, I have to hold myself back sometimes on that because I, I want people to put the, the fun of archery first, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the experience and the, you know, hunting and that's got to be primary. But if you want to, you know, improve yourself and or improve your shooting or find the, the bow that's right for you, um, yeah, you can go out and, and shoot. 50 different models and figure that and figure that out that way too. But there is, there's some, there's some things about, uh, about bows that you can look at and you can see, okay, yeah, this will be a shooter. This won't, this will be, you know, this will be softer. This will be, you know, there's things behind that, that a, a boyer can help you with, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as, you know, picking something out or design features or just improving your, uh, you know, shooting form or getting the right arrow and, um, the hard, the hard numbers are, I think a lot of people don't like to, don't like to look at, um, but there's, there's a reason for them. And if you want to, want to improve, there are people out there that can help you with that too. Yeah, man. You know, I, I, I wish you and I had connected, uh, you know, a little, a little earlier too. I know timing wise, cause I mean, I, I can geek out on this stuff too for, right. I, mean, I, yeah. I got a thousand questions, but like I said, I'm going to have to wrap it up here in, in, in a few minutes or I'm going to go get my kit from school. But so I, so I got, I got two more questions for us. So w- one is, um, how long is your lead time for, you know, most of these? Cause I, cause you're not, are you, are you full-time with this or are you, cause I know you had a couple of the like side businesses you were doing. I own a, uh, I own a resort as well. Um, I'm really fortunate that I have incredible staff and I've got management that lives there. So I, I don't have to dedicate a, a ton of time to that. And it's only open five months out of the year. So um, I have about six, six months out of the year. I've got to spend a little bit of time, um, you know, doing, doing resort stuff, but uh, for the most part, staff and management handle, handle that. And so I, I'm really fortunate that I get to spend most of my time um, dedicated to dedicated to this, and uh, and it, it's what I truly love. So I, I think that that's I'm really really blessed in in that that I that I get to that I get to do what I what I love to do for yeah. like, you know, on a daily basis. And and um, so the rest of the the rest of the year uh, after. October 1st is when, when I shut down the resort for the season. But, um, you know, I got about a, I don't know, a few weeks after that where I have to spend a fair amount of time there doing shutdown stuff and end the season things. But after that, I spend a lot of time hunting, but I, I do get into the shop basically full time at that point. Um, and uh, I try to sneak out, you know, as much as I can to hunt during hunting season. But Right now, lead time is uh, 12 to 14 weeks. It's probably going to push a little bit longer than that, the way stuff's been coming in. But um, but right now, I do get I get more time in the shop after uh, you know after hunting season is over too. So 
I, my, I always, I told people that I, my, I always feel behind if I can't push stuff out after six weeks. So I've really had to, or within six weeks, I've really had to change that as I've gotten, gotten busier here this, this last, uh, last year or so. Well, that's and, awesome. It's awesome to hear yeah. for that. Yeah. So my other question to you was, uh, I, I always keep meaning to ask people this, and I think I know what it is. So on on the side of a grip, right, let's say of your ASL, right, for, for most ASLs, what is that little extra bump out? Is that so you can put like some sort of something in there to keep the air from falling off? So, yeah, it does It does two things. Um, it actually, you know, the, the shelf on an ASL is pretty darn small. Yeah. And uh, so that little leather, it's just the the leather strike place and strike plate and shelf. It just has a little tab that folds under the side of the grip and that extends the shelf out the, the thickness of the leather basically. Um, okay. Adds quite a bit when you're actually looking at a, at a tiny shelf, but what most people don't realize is it's, it actually can be a locator too, because you can feel that on your, on your finger um, where that is. And so I use that myself because I know where it is it's right behind the or right in front of um my pointer finger like the, the main knuckle on my pointer finger mm-hmm. as i as i grip around there so i know that i'm gripping that that straight grip repeatedly repeatedly oh, i always i always thought it was like a uh you, you never see it from the top side because the one i had didn't have that so you never you never see it like looking straight down so i always thought it was maybe like a little like pocket you know like a little tiny like the little like jean pocket you have for your like your sure. little uh <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like little coin yeah. pocket they call it. so i didn't know if it was for that to like to stick something in there like i don't know like a zip tie or, or twig or whatever so you can you know you can it can hold your your arrow or something like that when you're when you're on stand i, I didn't know that it was actually folded over and going down um, yeah. Well, you know, like, in, there there is a little bit of a, a, a space that you can stick a teeny little, you know, a little twig in in there along that if you mm-hmm. you know that on windy days. Because um, I don't I don't attach a arrow holder, uh, you know, one of those things that fold around and clip right. onto your postman stand. But I will put say a piece of grass or a really teeny twig in there as I as my bow if I'm hunting out of a tree stand or something, my bow is hanging. Um, I'll do that and then just take it out if I, you know, if a deer comes in or something, but, um, yeah, so it's kind of a, kind of a multi-purpose thing. I guess. Mystery solved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I put a picture the other day. I had my, uh, I had my, sounding with my Java man elk cart and it's got a, um, I put one of those sure grip, uh, you know, the rubber dealies yep. like over mm-hmm. the regular grip, you know, just cause it, it just feels better in my hand doesn't twist around. And, uh, I didn't have my zip tie with me cause I just usually stick a zip tie in there. So I had Twizzlers. <laughs> so I stuck a Twizzler in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw that. Full yeah. 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 So. That worked out pretty good, I, but you know that didn't last long, of course, because you know, I mean, come on, Twizzlers, really? <laughs> you're, you're gonna tap, you're gonna tap me with that right in front of my face, you know? So, all right, man. Anywho, I gotta, I gotta hop off here. So, um, where can everybody find you and uh, follow you and all that stuff? Cool. My uh, com is my website. Um, they can find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, my phone number is two one eight three two five one eight four five. Uh, if anybody wants to call and, you know, talk hunting or whatever, um, or just has questions, Facebook and uh, email are probably the, the easiest to get a hold of me. Um, and uh, email is stpatricklegglongbows at gmail.com. So, or you can email off the website as well.
Got it. Yeah. And everybody just check out that website. You got some really cool, what I really like, by the way, and it was a personal pet peeve. Um, I can't remember how I was telling, I was talking with uh, Dave Darling, I think too. I was saying a, a lot, a lot of bowyers, they don't put like the, the, the strong, like the whole profile of the bow. Yeah. Um, the whole finished, what does the bow look like when it's strong or on straight, either way. Um, you always see like, here's the riser and you see like, you know, 16 inches of something or whatever. And then here's the limbs, but <laughs> what does the whole thing look like? And I, I know, it, I know it sounds vain, but I, I, I want to know what the thing looks like, you know, the, 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 yeah. the finished product. Cause that's the visual appeal is, is big. So you, you do have that. I know that they're tough to take pictures of to do that, but you do have that. So it's one of the things I appreciate about and about those little things without <laughs> <laughs> even shooting it. So, all right, man. Um, I appreciate it. Why don't you hang on with me here while I uh, um, uh, sign off over here. So everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, go check out Ergo, uh, St. Patrick Lake Longbows and uh, really, really cool stuff. Very reasonable prices. Um, super, super competitive, I think. So, And, and uh, it looks like you make some really great stuff. Go listen to Cody Greenwood's uh, episode with you. It's on YouTube out there somewhere. Um, you guys really dive into a lot of this geek out stuff too that uh, we kind of we touched on. So, um, you know, apparently you're doing something right in a short amount of time. So um, with that said, everybody like, share, and subscribe, and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks.